When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Spotcast, Season 3, Episode 11. We're discussing Star Trek Discovery, Season 3, Episode 1, The Hope That Is You, Part 1. Now, I was just saying to these guys before we started talking here that Part 1 sort of, I didn't see it to be continued at the end of the show, and the Part 1 kind of makes me think that, hmm, maybe the Discovery will show up. But then again, the show is called Star Trek Discovery, so, because it's not called Star Trek Burnham Lost in Space, right? Or time. Dr. Burnham? No? They really should have called it Feel the Burn. If you're asking me that, feel the burn. Feel the burnum. <laughs> feel the burnum. Oh, okay. All righty. Okay. All right. Anyway, my name is Tim Mitchell. I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and it is, you know, I'm in the Eastern Daylight Time Zone, and uh, Jonathan Kuline over there in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello. And I also am in the Eastern Daylight Time. Right. And uh, way over there on the left coast, you know, in the in the past is Jaime Lopez Jr., and uh, he's in, you can see hello whatever <laughs> so i'm in going? seattle washington beyond just being <laughs> oh generically yeah, on, right. the, on the west coast which is the best coast sorry we're we're talking about ordering iphones so we're all messed up today so we're time zone so how's it going starved anyway go ahead <laughs> Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? How's it going? And it's, you know, he's in the uh, Pacific Daylight Time Zone. All righty. And do we know what start date it is? We haven't, we haven't done that in a while. No, right? we haven't been updating the start date. No, it's true. I would like to uh, yeah. clarify for our listeners, the episode's title is That Hope Is You, not whatever it is you said. Oh, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, or my only hope. Exactly one. Yeah. Yeah. A New Hope. And maybe I said A New Hope. I don't know. The Rise, of, Rise of Burnham. I didn't even. It's funny. I didn't even notice this. This episode had had a title. So there you go. Yeah, they didn't didn't show it. I think uh, usually we see it because it's up on Crave. Mm. But we'll get into that later in the episode. Our yeah. feelings but about Crave. She didn't wave Crave. the flag just for for you know argument's sake. But anyway, that's you know I guess it's the the license of a of a teaser is they can do whatever they want, right? You got it. All righty. Um. So quick fact check here. So accessibility. I was talking about uh, Paul Hudson's uh, pronunciation. Of, we were talking about beta for beta and. Uh, Mac OS for Mac OS and uh, iOS for iOS. Um, but he says, I guess, I can't even say it, accessibility, not accessibility. Okay. In the right. Harry Potter Accio Firebolt sort of well, usage of ACC? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's just a Paul. I don't know. Sorry, Paul. Maybe it's just a Paul. He'll never listen to this show anyway. But uh, <laughs> maybe maybe it's just a, a Paul Paul Hudsonism. But yeah, it's just, it's, it, I was telling you, like I was, I was in a uh, thing with him and he was talking about accessibility a lot in the, in the, seminar he was doing and yeah that just that word kind of went what every time he said it anywho uh let's get on with the show um let's do some headlines so we have jaime lopez jr up first yeah, continuing the theme this season of the pandemic causes all sorts of weird things to happen. Uh, this one is uh, is just the same. So the new Disney Pixar movie, Soul, uh, was originally planned for theaters, but is uh, now they're just leaning into it and saying, you know what, 
We're just going to make this uh, available on Disney Plus this September. Sorry, no, mm. December. I don't know why I said September. I mean, December, the other December. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think this one to me makes a lot of sense. I think it's a little bit different than something like Mulan that was, you know, intended to be this big sort of uh, tent pole, you know, perhaps a billion dollar maker in the, in the theater sort of thing where I think they struggled really hard with that one to figure out what are we going to do? They found sort of an in-between, like, all right, it's essentially like a movie rental or or maybe, you know, like, like as if you saw it in theaters, but the theater is your own home. And then later we'll make it part of Disney+. Plus. I think in this case for uh, a family movie and especially one that sort of leans more towards um, children facing, I think this makes a lot of sense to me that this is a good way to drive people towards the Disney Plus property. I think very similar to the way I was pretty pleased with what um, was it Universal did with the Trolls World Tour thing of like, oh, it was very clear a good way to say hey kids uh, i need to work from home so why don't you watch this movie for like two hours yeah, while i have this meeting over and over exactly yeah exactly yeah. and so i think this works perfectly as opposed to like tenet or mulan or many of these other ones that we talked about like black widow and stuff like uh what are you gonna do like you're not gonna have the kids watching that by themselves so it doesn't work as well as like a, just very seamlessly enhance that part of of the home life sort of thing yeah, it's interesting. So I guess do you think this means that the Mulan experiment was successful, I guess, right? I mean, what else are they going to do? I mean, they tenant lost money huge, right? You know, like by trying to try and show the theaters with like five people in a showing at a time, you know? Yeah, I guess that's the real question is, is this a flag of surrender for movie theaters for the time being? Well, could be, could be. I mean, I, I, one of one of the bands I follow on Facebook was saying that they they had a whole bunch of shows planned this year. They were doing mm-hmm. a big tour, and I mean, they're not a big band. They're like a, they're like a you know small sort of like a niche band, and they uh, like I mean they sell out places like the Danforth. They'll they'll easily stuff like like that's like what a two thousand seat theater I think. Yep. Um, but they um, they had canceled a bunch of shows, and then and now they've just announced okay here's the here's the lineup, and it's like twenty twenty two that they're saying so i mean they're hoping that there's going to be a, a vaccine by that time i guess right but uh yeah I, mean, I, I still have tickets to a few things that i didn't give up because they were you know small canadian bands and stuff like that yeah. and uh all of them just keep getting pushed off like they were rescheduled from the spring to uh winter and now from winter to i one of them is as far i think it's next november i have tickets for a show already yeah i, was, I just happened to pass my uh my i think i was looking at my ticket master or something like that but the last show that i went to was the when you and I went and saw Kevin Smith talk back in February, that was right. Yeah. Long time ago. Yeah. I've been, uh, I've been, been lucky in that I managed to go see three or four shows between January and February. And I think the last thing I saw was the first week of March at, yeah. Uh, Scotiabank Arena in Toronto, which is a you know twenty thousand seats with uh, it was the Lumineers. So you know there, but for the grace, I guess we go. It uh, it seemed to work out that no one. It didn't seem like there was a spreader event or anything like that. It was sort of in the beginning stages of it getting to. It was a couple of weeks before the first set of lockdowns and stuff, but... Uh, well, do you yeah. remember last year we talked about this? It all started in Seattle. Seattle was ground zero, right? As I recall, you were correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. First first incidents sure? in, uh, in the Americas. <laughs> do you wear that with pride? Does it say it on the sign as you come into town now? <laughs> I'll, I'll make a suggestion at the next he has no idea. He has virtual town house, hall right? meeting. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to leave the house in order to do that. Yeah, exactly. All right, so what's next, John? So this was an interesting one. Uh, this falls on the tails of exactly what Jaime was talking about. 
this was a movie I was looking forward to. So Eddie Murphy has been working on this sequel to the classic film Coming to America. Uh, it is humorously titled Coming to America, number sign two. And it is, a, uh, of course, a sequel to this classic 1980s or I guess, it was, yeah, it was probably late 80s movie. It was supposed to be into theaters, but in this continuing wave of things getting shuffled around, they've sold the distribution rights from Paramount Pictures to Amazon Studios for, according to Variety.com, they've sold it for about 125 million U.S., And they're going to stream it. And that is the way the movie's going to be distributed. Apparently, it is expected to premiere on December 18th, just in time for people to have time off over Christmas. And... Again, this was not uh, this was not small potatoes. They got the whole cast back together: James Earl Jones and Arsenio Hall and Eddie Murphy, and hmm. they are doing a whole big thing. And it was supposed to be one of the sort of most anticipated comedies of the year. And now, if you have your Amazon subscription, it's going to cost you nothing extra. Yeah, that was a movie where where Eddie Murphy and um, Arsenio Hall not only played the two characters, but they also played like the barbers yes. and all that kind of stuff. Right? Yeah, and they played Eddie a whole Murphy bunch played... of parts. Yeah. Yeah, that was the beginning before he did the before he did the was it Doctor Doolittle or whatever he did with the multiple the whole family. Yeah, and the clumps and all that stuff. The clumps, yeah, the clumps, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was the clumps clumps came out of Doctor Doolittle or? I can honestly say I did not. Uh, I was that was sort of out of my <laughs> wheel. As he started doing more sort of. Um... Yeah. family friendly fair in the early 90s and at the age that i was in my life and the age that uh, he was appealing to did not align so i, I didn't mm, see many of those yeah, pictures i think the clumps yeah, was funny. the spinoff from the nutty professor nutty professor that's what i'm thinking of yeah that where he paid his whole family too right so mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. But, all right so yeah weird weird to see a, yet another one of these uh, ones and and this also comes on the heels of uh, the new borat movie is going to be on amazon as well mm. uh so yeah i think we are now entering a pretty dark phase for movie theaters it does not sound like it's going to be happening for movie theaters for quite a while yeah well we still have drive-in movies and drive-in concerts and things like that right so yeah all right so what do you got honey what's next yeah despite the weird clickbaity name in the in this verge article uh which we'll have in the show notes for those of you transporting at home the what it's really trying to say is that uh, disney plus will give you different ways in which you can view the marvel cinematic universe and when i say different ways what i mean is you can either sort of view them by like oh you know here's the iron man movies or here's the captain america movies or something you might naturally think of oh this is the order when these movies were released but they went kind of a, a, a step above and, and beyond where they said well you can actually see it based on the different phases that we had right phase one phase mm. two phase three of the cinematic universe uh which we've talked about on this show and and you know phase four is kind of like in weirdo place because of the pandemic but they also have cinematic universe in timeline order so looking here at this screenshot captain america captain marvel then iron man and iron man 2 and then i'm kind of unsure what they do with movies that sort of split between the two maybe they choose the earliest point in time but it's kind of a cool thing you can do that you wouldn't normally see for um for franchises yeah it's interesting because they went from i guess originally they were sort of continuing the the underlying narrative of the infinity stones and the building towards the culmination in the last few avengers movies from iron man the first movie 11 years ago to the to to carrying it forward and now what they're saying is there's enough of these movies that you can actually view them in the timeline continuity so you could start with captain america in the 1940s move forward to uh get these different things in the order in which they happened in that world 
interesting approach. I'm not sure mm-hmm. that it enhances the experience greatly. Yeah, it's kind of like yeah. that. What do they call that that thing where you can watch Star Wars in a different order and you skip one? I think it is. That's where I was going to go. Where like machete, well, machete. They yeah. should do this. Yeah, they should do the same thing of like, okay, you can watch them in numerical orders, episode one through nine, or watch them in you know release date order. You know, original trilogy, prequel trilogy, sequel trilogy, and you're mentioning the machete order, but I'm unclear if that's been updated to include the sequel trilogy. Oh, true, yeah. I think if anybody had the interest to do that for the Machete, they would probably not watch those last three movies. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know. So, I mean, looking at these, these these are three different um, choices in the in the graphic they've got they got here in the post, right? I don't know. I I kind of I don't know if I would want to watch you know um, Captain America, then Captain Marvel, and then Iron Man in that order because I think Iron Man was the first movie, right? Of this, yes, it was franchise, Mm -hmm. and and there's a lot of sort of you know tie like like when um, uh, Robert Downey's father shows up in one of the other movies like he's in the movie but then they in Captain Marvel they go back and they meet him again or something like that or when or no maybe it's in, in the Avengers last ones the last two stone ones or whatever Infinity Stone and Gauntlet of Doom or something <laughs> you know how quickly they forget Jaime yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah because because you, you know what I mean like like and then Captain Marvel kind of came out the Captain what Wait, Captain Marvel didn't go back to Robert Downey's dad's place. That was yeah. I'm getting all the mixed up, but yeah, that was I don't know, that was it, again, uh, Winter Soldier. I think was the but one. But all the more reason not to like or no, bounce Civil War. around. Civil War. Yeah, all all the reason not to bounce around because because there, there's continuity between them. Is what I'm saying. Well, right? the Captain Marvel one, I find that like doing it in that order is a little confusing because it a lot of the subtle jokes in Captain Marvel rely on your understanding of Nick Fury, and if right. you've just watched only Captain America. I assume somebody would do this if they'd already seen the entire franchise. It doesn't seem like something you'd do if you'd never watched any of them. But all the jokes in Captain Marvel are are about the fact that he's going to lose an eye, right? Right, right. And if you have only seen Captain America, the first Avenger, he's in that movie in the PS scene when Captain America wakes up after years and years in the ice, right? But that wouldn't be really enough to understand who he is and, you know, much about him, right? That's what I mean, because you see, you see him in the outro, what do you call it? The, the, pre, the, the post, PS, yeah. yeah. The post whatever, uh, whatever. Post credits, um, yeah. Post credits, you see him in Iron Man at the very end, right? Mm-hmm. And that's when the first time you meet Nick Fury in yep. the cinematic universe, right? So, yep. yeah, I don't know if I'd, I would do it that way. Weird. And then this, this phase three where you've got Cat- Civil War, then Doctor Strange, then Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Mm-hmm. Am I reading this right? Mm-hmm. Oh, fa- that's phase three, I see. Okay, there must be a phase one that's not in the graphic here, right? Yeah, it's just showing a, a little slice. In, yeah. And you're right. I think you probably should watch them in release order. Uh, it's probably like... If you're new to the series of movies, that's probably going to be the most helpful. Uh, I think this timeline one is uh, for the fans who like really want to see it that way. And actually, if there are any Disney engineers listening, you can go even further. I want all of these different scenes sliced up into <laughs> oh, yeah, timeline yeah. segments. Yeah. So so the part you talked about, like, oh, Nick Fury shows up here and Captain America. Yeah, guess what? Doesn't show up until well after Captain Marvel <laughs> because it's much later in the timeline than the 90s when that scene happened like i want each individual bit of movie as like one continuous multi-hour multi-day Wait, so, movie so we would start with you know, um 
Captain America and and uh, the Iron Man going back to the like forties and getting the the stuff from his dad. Like, I think it goes even further. Doesn't uh, Thor: The Dark World show like, oh, the the the, the Dark Elves did this thing yeah. back in like yeah. you know ten thousand BC? So yep, that sure, scene yeah. shows up first. <laughs> yeah, I think it does. Called the Lord of the Rings, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that would be really weird because then you'd be like, what is going on? Like, who are these guys? Who've, like, because I mean, if you think about it, if you were back in the 40s and Iron Man and Captain America showed up and like totally, you know, invented a transparent aluminum and stole your whales, you'd be like, what just happened? You know, and then you wouldn't know. You'd never know what happened. Really. If you thought that was weird, without getting too far into spoilers, think about what Endgame ends up doing and trying to slice up those scenes oh, yeah, and yeah, stick exactly. them into the timeline. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <sighs> anyway, I don't now how much would you pay <laughs> 7 99 a month right and they also yeah, they switched up uh the other thing i heard about this um change that they've done with the marvel movies is they've they've relegated the non uh mcu movies into their own little bucket right they're calling them legacy films hmm? as part of the rearrangement on disney plus the movies like x-men and uh and the sort of out of canon stories they're they're labeling them a little differently according to a story i saw this week they said that they're they're calling them marvel legacy films as in these are from the past they have nothing to do with the universe that we're creating all the new tv shows they're not intertwined with our stuff they're they're a legacy of of the past Mm, interesting so they're they're sort of it's it's their way of saying we own the rights to these but we kind of disavow them right we'll get ready we'll show you the x-men and fantastic four when we're good and ready Right, right. Okay, cool. What's happening in New York or not happening in New York? Well, what happened for New York Comic Con is there's a trailer that came out for a very rare CBS All Access limited series. I'm very excited for <laughs> Which this. Which will be you know, free in Canada. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm not super familiar if I'm being forthcoming with uh, Stephen King's The Stand, but uh, I'm, I'm at least familiar with his existence and this idea of the Dark Man. But uh, nevertheless, there's going to be a miniseries coming to CBS All Access, and this is the first trailer for it, uh, starring uh, James Marsden, who's, depending on what we were just talking about, you either know him as Cyclops from X-Men, or you know him as, I 100% forgot his character name in Westworld. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. That guy. The guy. Oh, that guy. Yeah, he's definitely a, a guy who's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen that guy. Yeah, isn't he Isn't he the... Because for a while there, I thought he was the same guy as the, as the Ed Harris character. Like No, that's a different character. Yeah. Yeah, no, because for a while there, I thought he was the he was the the gunslinger dude, right? Yeah, it's it's Teddy. Teddy is the character. Teddy. Yes. Oh, thank you. Yes. yes, thank you. And James I, you know, James Marsden is the is the actor. Yeah, we talked about that. I, yeah, I don't know if I ever went back and finished the uh, the third season of Westworld. It got really weird. It it was very weird, but it was interesting. Yeah, I'll, maybe I'll go finish it. Yeah. Either one of you familiar with the stand, the the basis for this series? Uh, I am. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it'll be interesting. I, there's been a couple of cracks at, at trying to tell the stand as. Um, uh, it was a, a mini series on TV. Oh, geez, what twenty five years ago? Like a long time ago. It'll be interesting to see how this this works as a series. Um, hmm. How they modernize it. It's not something. It's funny because they're doing a remake, and, and of course, there's been this whole wave of Stephen King revival films and remakes and stuff like that. It'll be interesting because it's not a movie that depends a whole lot on special effects or you know like some of these movies when you remake them from 1980 to 2020 40 years later the technology allows you to do really cool things that you could never have done without the benefit of computer technology the stand yeah there's some stuff towards the end that gets a little sort of
sort of you know epic and in, in that will probably translate better but a lot of it is it's you know it's it's a people story it's an interesting story about you know the people and 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 their relationships as they go through i mean it's a monstrous book i don't know if you guys have ever i i, mean, I don't know if you've read it but it's um it's an interesting character study. It's extremely apt, of course. It's set during a pandemic, right? Um, <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see what people's uh, reactions to it are because, and and I don't know how it was filmed, the beginning of the book, and not a small amount, like hundreds of pages at the beginning of the book are about how this pandemic starts, spreads, and kills millions of people, mm. which may, it never happened. maybe not good timing. Yeah, that's true. Maybe not. All right. Or maybe it's a reality show. <laughs> um, okay, what's next? Well, um, this one I thought was kind of interesting, given that I'm a fan of Netflix's Castlevania animated series. Uh, And if you like that art style, um, they've got a new series coming out called Blood of Zeus, coming out on October 27th. Another series, this time talking about the the brewing war between the gods of Olympus and the Titans. And a commoner named Heron discovers their, uh, you know, their secret past and, and, you know, Greek mythology stuff breaks out and happens but it looks is is there a kraken (laughs) you know (laughs) i sure hope so (laughs) because that'd be pretty good uh pretty good timing um but i don't know uh it it, i see characters like oh yeah that's uh this greek right this very clearly aries uh zeus and and others so it looks cool i'm a big fan of what they did with the castlevania series the art style and everything so excited to see Mm -hmm. this coming out uh later this month is that the stop motion the um no it's it's a Japanese anime style of oh, okay. of of two D uh, cell animation. Okay, okay, right. I'm, yeah. thinking, I'm, I'm thinking maybe of Frankenweenie or something like that. All right, cool. So next up, I've got uh, some casting news. We got a bit of information this week on the Mad Max prequel movie that's going to be done. So they're doing a prequel to Fury Road that is set around uh, Furiosa the character played by Char- uh, Charlize Theron in the movie. They're now doing this sequel, and uh, Anna Taylor-Joy is going to play Furiosa as a younger version of that character. And also starring in this are Yaya Abdul-Mateen II. He was in the Watchmen miniseries that was on HBO last year, and he was fantastic in that. And uh, Chris Hemsworth, our, our very own Thor, is also going to be co-starring in that. Uh, interesting that that's the direction that they're going next with this, that they're going with the prequel and that they're, they've gotten as far as, as casting. Um, yeah, which is weird. I thought the Road Warrior was the prequel to Mad Max. Well, this is the pre- well, this is the prequel to to centered around Furiosa, not centered around Max, right? Right, right. Because right, she was yeah. really like the, the breakout character from that. As much as you know, I think Tom Hardy was good in that. Charlize Theron was amazing in that movie. Yeah, no, like, I honestly think it is a travesty she didn't get nominated for an Oscar for that performance. She was mm. amazing, mm. and yeah, so they're doing this, and it's uh, co-written and directed by george miller the the creator of the franchise mm-hmm. uh it'll be interesting to see it's apparently now according to warner brothers uh according to reports this is from uh, io9 uh they said that there is, the film is in advanced development and it is getting uh moved into a priority position by the studio which is warner brothers so yeah we're gonna get another mad max movie sooner than later who knows which streaming service it'll end up on and tim and i can watch for free 
Yeah, exactly. You know, while we while we wait for our, our yeah, <laughs> given the discussion of like, well, prequel to what? I think this might be an interquel similar to Rogue One that takes place in between. If I'm understanding, mm. so I am assuming, and I'm less familiar with the Mad Max timeline. I'm assuming the Mad Max movies uh, with Mel Gibson are first in the timeline, then Fury Road. So presumably, this prequel to Fury Road is after the the other Mad Max movies. But that may not be true, and I may have it wrong. So I think this needs to come to Disney Plus so I can watch them in release order or <laughs> timeline right? order, uh, yeah. you know, for, for the fans. So you said George Miller created the franchise. Is this like he created Rogue Warrior yes. as well? Yeah. Oh, okay. Nobody else has worked on this except for him. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, he's a. Uh, I believe he's in the seventies. Like he's he's a an older person. Yeah, he's got to be. Yeah, because you know that's because Road Warrior, Road Warrior was what late seventies, early eighties. Eighties, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a while that he's been working on this. And again, yeah, that was before Matt, before um, Mel Gibson was even a thing, right? So yeah, well, that was one of his sort of breakout things, right? He yeah. sort of became a cult actor after that, and then that started giving him yeah. more big roles and. And then from there, he went on to become a, a yep. very famous actor. Yep. All right. And so finally, we have I mean, Yeah. So if you are a fan of Monster Hunter video game series or uh, Mila Jovovich, I've got a movie for you. So Monster Hunter, which is uh, hypothetically coming to theaters in December. We'll see about that. <laughs> I love Based that we have the, to put those caveats in now. I have no faith. This is almost certainly going to be a headline coming up in the <laughs> next few episodes uh, as like follow up fact check sort of thing. So uh, Paul W. Sanderson, tuned, folks, yeah. <laughs> who's done uh, other video game adaptation direction for uh, the Resident Evil movie series and uh, Mortal Kombat movies is, is taking that same kind of formula. Um, I am not personally that familiar with the series other than the concept of like um, these giant monsters. You can call them dinosaurs. You can call them kaiju. Uh, the basic premise of the game, as I understand it, is you, you have to go around and uh, kill the monsters, take, you know, harvest their parts of like, hey, this one's got horns. Great. Let's use those horns to go stab this other one. Right. Like it's got that sort of mechanic. Uh, I have seen some reactions online. People are like, all right, it's got an opportunity. Like it feels like it's pretty faithful to the games, but not a lot of uh, hope that the the story will be that great. But you know what? I think this is you know, very similar to Pacific Rim, the story that I keep bringing up of like, sometimes you just need good popcorn movies. And I think this might be one. Uh, granted, probably your own popcorn <laughs> sitting on your couch. Right, right. Hmm, interesting. Cool. All right. Well, that's it, kids. We're at the part of the show where we talk about the latest Star Trek something or other. Uh, this, this week is the first episode of season three of Star Trek Discovery, That Hope That, that sorry, That Hope That Is You, not That Hope That Binds You. Sorry, that Hope That Is You, part one. So this week, Jonathan's going to lead off and uh, we're just going to banter along. So, And actually, at the timing that this, this show's coming out, I don't know that I'll ever have time to do a recap. But anyway, off you go, John. Well, that's okay. I mean, I can do double duty. It'll be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So the episode begins with a bit of a strange scene. We see this weird digital bird clock that is yeah. sitting on a bedside table. It looks like a real bird, but it's got a digital it's a new clock Amazon Echo, built into it? it. Yeah, very, very unusual. And we see a person getting up and sort of doing their daily routine. The bird clock goes off. They get up. As they walk away, the bed it basically melts away into the floor. They go, uh, go into the presumably bathroom, looks in the mirror. Their teeth are 
brushed for them by some sort of fancy technology that I would be very interested in acquiring. And uh, then this person goes and sits down and starts doing a search for signals. And then we sort of see a bit of a repeat, and then we get the impression that this is sort of what this person does every single day, that this is their routine. From there, we're sort of thrust very quickly into uh, a, a bit of chaos because we see two ships uh, racing through wreckage, which is clearly of former Starfleet vessels because we see some of the NCCs on the on the stuff as they go by. We see one ship pursuing the other one through there. You know, laser bolts are flyer, firing, phaser bolts are firing. And we get our first look at David Ajala as book. And he's being pursued by this uh, grouchy alien named Cosmo. And he's blasting him and he's threatening him. He's saying, give back the thing, give back the thing. So, you know, we're sort of trying to figure out what's going on with these two. And as they're going through this, sort of weaving their way through this field of debris, all of a sudden this portal opens. And of course, because this is where we left off at the end of season two, we know exactly what this portal is. The portal bursts open and Michael Burnham comes flying through wearing her exosuit, wearing her Red Angel suit. And she collides headlong with Book's ship, knocking them both off course and sending them both careening down towards the planet. And Burnham... I have, a, I have a question. Did you see the... Was there not a recap before you... There was. In the, in the version you saw? Okay, just curious. Yes. Okay. Uh, and so... We see Burnham, we focus on her, she's inside the suit and the suit is not responding. She's trying desperately to get it to do something because she's now headed at a very high velocity towards this planet that is uh, adjacent to this debris field. She's trying to get it to start, she's telling you she's giving it orders, she's trying to get the thrusters to, to activate, and she tells it to reboot, and of course, as we'd expect no less, it you know, finally does its reboot right before. Well, first of all, it says, hang on, Windows needs to install yeah, some stuff. Yeah, I know. There was a lot of Windows <laughs> jokes that popped into mind right there. They, um, yes. She managed to get to get it to reboot. You hear the music come on, you know, the, the Mac chime comes on. And she manages to get it to uh, protect her right before she hits the ground. And, of course, she poof, right into the right into the surface of this planet. And she kicks out, she gets out of the suit and she is trying to sort of look around. She's trying to figure out where she is. She's a little sort of, you know, uh, obviously overwhelmed. It was a pretty harrowing experience to have survived. She's trying to figure out, you know, where she is. She tries to reach out to uh, the Discovery. She tries to hail them, nothing. And then, of course, she has to send the suit back. So she, she basically says, you know, set your auto course, go back, and it goes flying through the sky. So then she is basically st standing there stranded, except for... A survival kit, which has what looks to be a tricorder, a phaser, a comm badge, and uh, I think she says that it's got uh, food and water in there. So did she have to, I've forgotten the timeline, did she have to send it back to be able to be discovered by herself in the past? Is that the deal? Yeah, I was trying, like, to, I was trying to remember. I didn't have time. I had hoped to go back and watch some of the, the key points from season two before we yeah. dove back in, but I did not have time. Um, but mm -hmm. I do recall... Oh, no, doesn't her mother come to her with the suit on or something that's like the that, thing or... i think she has to send it back so that it can get back to her mom not to her right yeah because she sends it back to a specific point in time yes right? i thought she was sending it to be destroyed but no i guess she was just trying to get it back before the, the hole closed yeah right? yeah 
Yeah, because she other... sends it to her mother when the mother is being attacked by the Klingons, right? In the very in the very beginning, like when she was a little kid, the Klingons kill her parents, right? But well, what actually dad, happens? Yeah. But her mother escapes in the suit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, Jaime, did you have something? Yeah, I can't speak to the other parts that you guys are talking about because those could very well be true. I couldn't remember and the, and the recap didn't explain. But the thing I do remember was that she told Spock, you'll know I'm fine. This is at the end of season two. You'll know I'm fine because I'm going to send the final signal once I get through the wormhole with the discovery. Right, right, right. right. So that's what she was trying to do before the wormhole. I don't know if the other things you guys are talking about, that, that might play into it as well. But she was at least certainly sending the signal to Spock that everything was okay. Well, because he saw the red red angel throughout the whole season two, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he yeah. does see the final signal from uh, from Burnham at the very tail end of season two. So he knows oh, that, that he? she's okay, fine. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah. So this is showing the other half of it of, of what was going on for her. Yeah. And again, it's, it's closing the loop on the whole storyline from season two. This is sort of the end of... Uh, the sort of time paradox all the time timey-wimey stuff is sort of ended to the point where she's basically had to give up the suit so there's no going back for her at this point and conveniently they abolish time travel after the temporal war well we'll, we'll get we'll get to that one right. um so she asks the computer and the computer tells her she's reached the year 3188 so she's gone 900 years into the future. Uh, so we leave Burnham. Burnham is, you know, sort of hysterically uh, reacting. She's sort of laugh crying, you know, that she's she's made it. And then, of course, she looks over on the horizon and she sees smoke rising and she realizes that must be what she slammed into. So she starts walking. We then cut to Burnham sort of walking towards this vessel she's collided with and as she starts to go in for having a look at it all of a sudden she senses something's wrong turns around and book attacks her starts coming after her the two of them sort of you know go off she says listen i don't want i'm not trying to fight you and he's like you know you're not taking my stuff and and so the two of them had this little fight she kind of kicks the garbanzos out of him at one point there and you know and then they end up in a stalemate where he's got a knife to her throat she's got a phaser to his head and she he sort of jokes you know what are you gonna do hurt me with that antique uh so the two of them sort of agree okay you know what let's both put our way our weapons he says you know uh you know whatever if you're not here to hurt me i'm out of here he goes to take off she's like no but my name is michael he says i don't want to hear your name i'm like i I'm not interested in your story. I don't care. I've got my own thing to do here. And now I'm stuck here thanks to you. So it's at that point where he recognizes that the the temporal uh, vortex closes, right? And he says, uh, you know, oh, you must have had something to do with that. Because yeah, the wormhole, the nearest wormhole is 600 Yeah, the nearest years natural away. wormhole is, is that far away. And he says, you know, so that means you must have created this one. And I don't know how you did that, especially considering this has all been banned because the Gorn destroyed two, two what do you say, two square light years of space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, the Gorn have got a rough ride in this, you know. Yeah, that's so smart. Yeah. Uh, he tells her that they're on the planet Hema, and he says, well, thanks to you, my ship has crashed, I have a mission to carry out, I don't have any dilithium, and I have to go get it. So, we need to go to the mercantile, and that's where we're going to find this dilithium. So, the two of them sort of make peace, and... But she offers to trade her antique tricorder. Well, that's it, yeah. She basically says, like, I can help you get that stuff, you know, let's, let's work together, and I need to trust somebody, I need help. So, she, he lets her onto the, the ship, and there she meets his very large cat, Grudge, who is a Maine Coon cat. And uh, I would just like to point out that if you go onto Instagram right now, at Grudge Cat has his own Instagram account. Of course, yeah. Yep. Uh, filled with pictures of Grudge. And so, yeah, she, he goes, goes on board the cloaked ship 
And she sort of says, oh, you know, he, she starts talking about his mission and she says, oh, so, you know, you're a, you're a thief. And, and he says, no, 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 I'm a courier and I've got to get my courier. I've got to get my, my stuff to where it's got to go. So the two of them decide, OK, fine, we're going to go to see this mercantile. We're going to go wherever this is. And uh, so as the two of them start walking along, he sort of looks at her and he says, you know, I see you're, you know, a person of faith. And he looks at that. You know, looks at the badge on her chest and she says, what are you talking about? And he says, oh, that's a sign of a true believer. And so it's at this point that she finds out that the Federation is gone and she's, you know, floored that, you know, something that's that large and that sprawling could be gone in this era. And he explains to her about the burn. And we had talked about that because we had sort of gotten a taste in the teasers of what is the burn? What is the burn going to mean? What does that mean? And he says, well, it happened 120 years ago, long before I was born. And he says the dilithium, all the dilithium went boom. And a lot of ships and a lot of people were killed. So right. not crystal clear exactly what happened. And maybe we'll get a little flashback or we'll get more information down the road. But it sounds like basically that was... Uh, Must have been the Gorn. It, it sounds like it was a pretty epic ending to uh, to the Federation and Starfleet. Right. So we cut to the two of them as they sort of crest this rise and they see... Maybe somebody threw a mine down the thermal thrust port. <laughs> Exhaust port. They, they arrive at uh, a mercantile. It turns out it's, a, it's basically a big, sprawling, futuristic city. And they go into this one sort of main facility in the center of town, which seems like it's kind of like a government facility, but it's also kind of like, looks like a bit of a business hub, kind of a swap meet. It's hard to tell exactly what's happening there. Um, a little Spartan in its population. It didn't seem like there's a lot of people there. And she is surprised to find when she gets there that the Andorians and the Orions are working together. They seem to be allies. Uh, of course, the Orions are... Uh, in her era, very much uh, pirates and ne'er-do-wells, uh, whereas the Andorians, of course, are, are founding members of the, the Federation. Uh, she tries to go through this sort of security checkpoint, and the Andorian and the Orion sort of standing there, won't, or the Andorians won't let her in because she doesn't have any kind of ID. And Book sort of opens up the... the kit that she's got with her that shows all the antiques quote-unquote antiques which of course are brand new for her and says you know hey you know these are prime goods i'm trying to get in here if you want to have to explain to your bosses who i know are watching that uh you wouldn't let us in here then you know that's on you and this sort of snotty andorian sort of says well you know i'm not letting you in all of a sudden you hear this sort of disembodied loud voice say let them in and of course they get to walk through the the checkpoint they sort of get past that point and, and Burnham is sort of starting to relax a little bit. She's looking around. She sees uh, that people have these sort of personal transporter devices so they don't have to be beamed out. They can just basically click a button and, and off they go. And she's pretty, pretty wowed by that. And as soon as, of course, she lets her guards down, boom, she's trapped in a stasis beam. And of course, Book ratted her out and she ends up being... Uh, taken away and to be interrogated by this uh, large Andorian and uh, large Orion who are trying to figure out who she is and what, you know, what she's there for and what's going on, how she came by this stuff. And, and so they administer this sort of truth, truth serum, what we call it truth powder. Uh, they spray in her mm. face, uh, which leads to a very funny, funny performance by Sonequa Martin-Green mm. where she's sort of, yeah. you know, uh, manic she's kind of laughing she's sort of being silly she's telling the truth but only parts of the truth and uh you know 
it's yeah it's a pretty funny scene overall but interesting camera work because the camera stays focused on her face Mm. while she's moving it around and like like the camera moves with her face moving which is kind of a really weird interesting visual effect yeah it was actually you're right it's a very well done scene um and so we sort of cut back and forth between her, who's, you know, she, she's trying to explain, you know, that guy, that guy is the one who you're looking for, not me, that guy. And they're saying, what guy, what, who, what, what? And he says, you know, yeah, he, he had something and he was trying to keep it cool. I think he's transporting ice cream. And uh, and of course, Book is running around. He's trying to trying to offload her uh kit including all her goods because he needs to get the dilithium so he can get back on a ship and get his mission finished and as he's doing that cosmo finds him cosmo the guy who was trying to get him at the beginning of the episode so cosmo ends up you know sort of slapping him around a little bit and just when it looks like things are going to get even worse for book burnham shows up with our burly orion and burly andorian who are sort of saying you know you have this guy okay we got to get this guy he's got the stuff all right and the two of them sort of realize that they're both in deep hot water at this point and so in spite of her you know sort of dazed and drugged condition the two of them basically wink at each other and they know that it's on they basically start this fight they steal some of these rather nasty disruptors that they get from the uh the andorians and and orions and they're having this shootout across the the mercantile and it's uh you know they're blasting things one of the andorians tries to get the jump on book book snaps the guy's neck and then steals this very small little device off of him but then he steps around the corner and sort of launches this device and it turns out to be basically this giant uh I don't know. It was like a wave. wave thing, yeah, it's yeah. like a wave, wave of wave stun, tool. right? And it basically sends yeah. everybody that's shooting at them flying across the room. And as they're doing, Michael Burnham is still high as a kite. She right? is, right, right, but not high enough that she doesn't recognize an opportunity because she goes and she she looks across the way and she now knows that dilithium is the coin of the land, right? She knows right. that that is what they need more than anything else. So she bolts across the way as this firefight is going on, and she starts stuffing every piece of crystal dilithium that she can get into her bag so that she knows that that's going to get her where she needs to go. And because she's got the dilithium book says all right fine i'll take you with me so then he activates the another one of those personal transporters and she says you know you had the personal transporter all along why the hell did you wait so they end up transporting this beautiful idyllic uh waterfall on this alien planet and she is you know she gives him a good smack across the face maybe breaks his nose even though again she's still you know feeling pretty high although he does mention that the adrenaline in her system will start to wear away the effects of the drug they're at the waterfall for just a second they get a couple of lines of dialogue out and boom all of a sudden more andorians orions and what was morn jaime what was what was morn's race oh wow because there's one of those there too yeah, uh, Mornian, we're going to call him. Let's <laughs> all look it up. Yeah, so again, we, we sort of get this little weird alliance of of, uh, of uh, Federation races um, all sort of, you know, chasing after them. And they end up in this sort of, you know, they transport, people chase them, there's a firefight, they transport again, and then all of a sudden, boom, they're out of power. So they need 30 seconds for their transporter to charge again. They're getting, cha- they're getting chased, they're hiding out, they're getting blasted at... Uh, Burnham gets shot her she gets she takes a, a blast off the shoulder and uh, it started to look bad for them and then book basically says you're not gonna like this but I've got something and he grabs her by the wrist and throws the two of them off the top of a very tall cliff and then activates the transporter which then transports them right into a body of water 
Uh, at which point he basically explains they can't track us once we've gone in underwater. So some real-time follow-up here. Yeah. For, uh, did, we, did, we, did we talk about the fact that Book is a courier? Yes. Okay, because Morn is a Lurian courier. Oh, there you go. All right. It's all coming yeah. together. Which makes sense why he lives. He's hanging out at, at uh, Deep Space Nine, right? That yeah. Although he's he's the like again the joke with Morn is that his he's Norm he's Norm yeah. from Cheers, right? He's just always yeah. at the bar and yeah, yep. and never says anything. Uh, mm. So now we've got Burnham and Book. They're soaking wet. They pull themselves out of the water. She hits him again, and she starts a conversation with him. The two of them are talking. He, she says, it's been a long time since I've been shot. She looks down her shoulders, got a you know, nice nick across it. She looks like she got it grazed and book shows us that he has some abilities. He conjures these plants from under the water by chanting and making his forehead glow, which I guess is something that the people of his species can do. And the plant is apparently the perfect disinfectant that is going to be good for Burnham to help her shoulder to heal. So he squeezes this stuff off into her hand and she slaps it on her shoulder. And of course it burns, but it's it's going to keep that from getting infected. So that's that's the plus. So the two of them having survived this ordeal, he... Well, then she says, we better wrap it with something. Oh, that's right. That's are... right. Yes. I, I don't want to skip over that scene because it was, it was memorable. Yeah. She says, you know, yeah, I better, better wrap it with something. And he pulls a handkerchief out and goes to, you know, wind it up so that she can use it as a tourniquet. And... He says, you know, you carry a handkerchief? He says, well, a guy's got to blow his nose. Uh, and then she proceeds to use that handkerchief to wrap around her infected arm, possibly not yet infected arm, um, at which point I think all three of us went, ew. <laughs> yep. um, so the book book realizes that, you know, this uh, that Michael is somebody who is, you know, a worthy ally, and he decides to cut her a break, and he's got this little device with him that it can open up subspace channels. And he opens it up for her so that she can try and contact Discovery. So she opens it up, she tries this thing out, she's a little ticked off that he had this thing in his pocket the whole time, but there's no response from Disco. Nothing's out there. And so she's a little defeated. And it's at this point where he sort of says, you know, you must be a time traveler. But I don't know how that's possible, because all the time tra- time travel technology is gone after the Temporal Wars. Which is an interesting one. Didn't the Temporal Wars weren't they referenced in Enterprise? Yeah, yeah the, no, yeah, the, the, the Temporal there, there Cold that, War for sure. Yeah, there was that guy who was like the time traveler dude, mm-hmm. the cop or whatever. Daniel, yeah. I think. Yeah, was the, so, the name that he gave. Yeah, I don't know if that's interconnected or if that's something completely separate. But I thought that was an interesting the way they phrased it made that immediately pop into my mind. So I don't know if that was something that will pay off further down the road or where. We're going to leave this. So the two of them are, you know, sort of good and they're feeling a little bit better. And they head back to their, uh, to book ship. She says, you know, I need some help. She's fine. Okay. They're going to go back to the ship, get back to the ship. And of course that's where Cosmo and the Andorian and Orion, probably about six or seven of them show up. They've got their, their blasters pointed at them and they're caught and they're like, okay, now we're, we're really in trouble. So, Cosmo is talking smack and he's being all, you know, snotty. Haha, book, I got the best of you. And of course, the Orion turns around and just vaporizes him, turns him into to ash. Yeah, he says, he says, what kind of courier has his stuff stolen? Yeah. Uh, so they, the Andorians and the Orions basically say, you know, let us into your ship. We want the thing. We want the MacGuffin. And he says, the password is sticky. And he said, what kind of password is sticky? He said, it's my ship. It's my password. You get your own ship. You can have your own password. 
so they open the the cloaking shield comes down the door opens up into this storage chamber and we see a something and we're not sure what it is we're looking at and then uh, they fire a blast in behind the something and it starts to move and you realize oh okay it's it's some sort of creature well, he says, the one guy says, I didn't think it was that big. And the other one, one of the Andorians says, it's supposed to be served fresh. That's Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely, yeah. 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 And then Book sort of leans over as it starts to stir and whispers to Burnham, close your eyes. And this beast slithers its way out and it's this gigantic worm and it starts basically glowing in certain parts of its body start glowing blue at which point all of the the uh pursuers that have been chasing them all their eyes start glowing blue and it seems to have uh put them into a trance at which point it starts eating them and it eats the one big andorian or eats the one big uh, uh orion and then it eats another one of them and uh at that point the the rest of them are like yeah we're not sticking around here we're out of here so they transport out at which point it's just burnham and book and this monster and the monster sort of turns and starts making all kinds of noise and it's coming towards burnham and it eats burnham and you're like oh all right didn't see that coming and book doesn't panic he just sort of looks and he says you know Shh, no 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 that's not what we're doing come on I, you know spit her out spit her out and starts like calming her down and all of a sudden poof, it spits burnham across like what 15 feet 20 feet since they're flying out into the beach and you expect her to be just, you know, disgusted and repulsed, but she's kind of amused. She's like, well, that's not what I expected to have happen today. Uh, and it turns out that this is Molly the Transworm, that she is this huge species, endangered species that Book has been transporting. And he sort of gets into his, his backstory a little bit from there. He talks about how he grew up in this family full of poachers, but he has this ability to communicate with uh, natural things that is sort of a gift, and he doesn't belong with them, and he was sort of ostracized by that, the family, but he's found this life in protecting these endangered species. Uh, he also reveals his full name is Cleveland Booker. And so... The two of them are on the ship. They're on his ship, and they're headed to where they need where they need to go. Obviously, he's uh, gotten some of the dilithium from Burnham at this point, and they arrive at Sanctuary Four, where they reunite Molly with her people, and we see this beautiful idyllic uh, forest with this beautiful body of water and all these worms splashing around. And he says, "Well, we've arrived just in time for mating season," which is I'm glad we didn't get any more explorations on that. So. From there, Book says, well, you know, I know you're not having any luck finding your people. I have an idea where we can have a look. There's this old space station, this old Starfleet uh, base that we might be able to find people who can help you. And so they go to this place and there we are reunited with the person we saw in the opening scene. And it turns out his name is Adida Sahil. And he says he is the liaison for the Federation. And he, uh, she, he's amazed to see Burnham. Burnham's amazing, amazed to see him. And she says, I need you to scan and see if you can find this signal. And so she's, you know, he says, okay, no problem. He scans this thing. Nope. Disco can't be found in the nearby two sectors. She says, okay, we'll use long, long range scanners. And he says, no, there are no more long range scanners. They all failed decades ago. He does say there are two Starfleet ships in the in the area. He does. He does say there are two Starfleet ships da, da, da. in the area. And 
Then we get the backstory. We get a little bit of an understanding of why Sahil has been waiting. Uh, and in that routine that we saw at the beginning of the episode, he's been doing this apparently for a long, long time. He says his grandfather and his father were Starfleet and that he was basically, you know, keeping up their duties on the hope that the right person would come along and that would help trigger the revival of Starfleet, the Federation and everything else. And uh, of course, book quips, you know, a true believer. We have a very sort of sweet and maybe a little sappy scene where he opens up this family keepsake box that we saw just at the beginning of the episode. And inside is a flag of the Federation. And he says, I'm not allowed to raise it. I've wanted to put it up for years, but it can only be raised by a commissioned officer. And so she says, you know, I'll raise the flag, but, you know, I need you. So I'd like to make you the acting comms chief. And... So they raise this Federation flag and they, they put it up on the wall. But it's not the Federation flag that we're used to seeing. This Federation flag has six stars, including two large stars. The original one, the one that we're used to seeing, has about 150 stars or more. And it has three big stars representing Earth, Vulcan, and Andoria. So clearly there's been a really dramatic change in what we're familiar with. Didn't they blow up Vulcan in like one of the stories? Well, like I... Kelvin universe? <laughs> to say i don't think we're in that timeline so i don't think it applies it's true it's true uh and yeah so then that's basically where we end up is this sort of uh look at this flag and this sort of uh moment of hope for maybe this is the spark that will rekindle the federation yeah and it's sort of the 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 looking at the flag reminded me of that that trope that we saw in the last episode of of lower decks and and the first uh star trek movie where you know everybody's looking at this flag and you know, like you're you know having a little everybody's gets a little woody and and you know they're all the the music's all swelling mm. and we're all supposed to feel patriotic and you know star starfleety and <laughs> you know it's kind of like it's over the top drama it's just a freaking flag you know like I mean, like, yeah, but flags are symbols of purpose, right? Like that's. Well, I mean, but I mean, like, I, I don't mean to, to diss the flag. I mean to, to diss the way that in Star Trek, low, you know, Star Trek kind of mm. um, presentations, they do these over the top, you know, like mm. like the flyby and the two minute flyby yeah. in, in uh, the lower decks, and they did the two minute flyby at least, and maybe it was more than two minutes in in the, the first movie, right? Oh so, my, yeah, it was like five or six minutes. It went on forever. Yeah, you know, and like, so like, oh my god, we haven't seen the star trek well mind you at that point in time we hadn't seen it in like what four or five years well right? and we've so. never seen it like that not ever like it, no, it had never true, been shown true. to us as a real three-dimensional well, I mean, yeah. thing like and that, that was that motion motion uh controlled camera yeah. thing around a big giant model and yeah and we'd only ever seen it you know whipping by in, in the original series right yeah so. no that's one of those scenes that in the moment you were like okay it's too long yeah. It's only in retrospect where you're like, man, that is that is way too long. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the one thing I wanted to add is, you know, I know we, we had talked about this, I think, uh, when some of the trailers had dropped about this season. And I think I might have been guilty of this. I don't know if we all were, but... Um, we were saying, oh, you know, this this explains the, the Calypso episode from season one of Short Treks, which was a couple yeah, of years yeah. ago, where we see the Enterprise. Is it the same guy? The Discovery. It is not the same guy. So that, that's, I didn't think that's so, where yeah. I was going with it is 
when we saw the trailer and there was, you know, oh, we're in the future and it was, a, you know, a, a black man with a beard, I didn't really have a strong memory. I think I only maybe watched Calypso once uh, two years ago and it didn't, I guess, make that deep an impression because when we started talking about, oh, there's this new character, uh, I think we immediately thought, oh, it's probably that character from the Calypso episode where they find the Discovery sort of abandoned in the far future. Uh, so I looked it up and no, that's a different character. His name was Craft in that episode and it was a different actor, of course. And uh, yeah, so that's, this is a completely different storyline. So where Calypso fits in the grand scheme of things is still unclear. Right. So mm. as season openers go, uh, what did you guys take away from this one? Do you feel like this is a good table setter or is this, I mean, as we say, this is a part one. I assume, I assume the part two will be a little more on what's happened to the disco crew at this point. Yeah. So the reason why I mentioned the thing about the, the opener, like the, the recap was I didn't remember the wormhole opening and them leaving as being that spectacularly, you know, well shot or, you know, well, like it looked really good in the, in the, in the uh, thing. I, I, Cause I mean, you know, after watching, you know, 10, weeks of lower decks you kind of i guess you kind of lose the sort of the production value mm. that goes into the show mm-hmm. right um and then you know the little opener at the beginning where they're they're whipping through and the guy's being shot at that just reminded that that's that star star wars thing that they did in a couple of movies you know where they open with a big battle at the very beginning or a big chase or something like yeah, that. yeah right? it, it does did remind me a little bit of the beginning of revenge of the sith right with with uh, yeah, obi-wan exactly. and anakin so, zipping through the the yeah debris fields yeah. and yeah yeah yep. right and 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 same thing with with the the one with um, the second one too, where where he and he and uh, Obi Wan are whipping, you know, you know, towards this ship, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, yeah, so I mean, it was really well shot. I mean, and I gotta say, like, I just watched the the, the captions and I went back and just to check it again. But I, obviously, I didn't realize that that's our Iceland. But my God, that place is beautiful, mm-hmm. like sparsely, strangely alien, mm-hmm. but still amazingly beautiful scenes. Like you know, the the green the green mossy part that they were walking over at one point mm. and then the, you know those big sort of icy lakes with the you know the with the, the lava all around and mm-hmm. like it really made it look I, I kept looking at it going i wonder if that's really a place on earth that just gone cgi crazy here but yep. yeah it was really really amazing from that point of view i did like i, I really enjoyed the surprisingly because i'm not really big in the you know gunfighty kind of stuff but um the scene where they're on that the, in the mercantile and they're fighting you know with the with the disruptors and stuff like that that was a really well shot yeah. sort of you know, cinematic scene, right? Yep. For a TV show too, right? Yep. Let's be realistic, right? You know, notwithstanding the fact that Jaime has to pay for it. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, you know, so, so it, it, it looks really good. I mean, you know, and, and, um, I think the interplay between Burnham and book was, was, in, was fun. Like, mm-hmm. you know, wasn't sort of, they weren't sort of like flirting with each other as, as th- those kind of things tend to do sometimes, but, mm-hmm. um, they were sort of back and forthing and, you know, she never really comes out and says, I'm like 900 years old and, mm. you know, what she could have done at some point or, and, and like, you know, it's amazing the quality. Can you imagine getting like those antiques and like 900 year old antiques and the batteries still work and yeah. all the features still work and, you know. Although apparently um, it wasn't Im- enough to impress the, uh, the prospective seller that book is trying. He, she sort of says, you know, not interested. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, you know, sort of interesting that, that that's the sort of place where, where one, and, and you know, the, the whole, um, architecture that thing sort of floating in the space above the, above the city was kind of a neat neat thing too right mm-hmm. um my god these people walked a long 
way. I mean, <laughs> you know, like, like I can't, be, like, the, the, thankfully we didn't have to watch them walk for like four days, which is about how far it would have taken them, right? Yeah, it, it wasn't quite Lord of the Rings, but there wasn't a lot of walking. And it's particularly funny because, yeah. again, you do get that moment afterwards where book says you know i've got the transport i've had the transporter with me yeah. all the time was that i thought that was the thing he stole from the other guy i thought what he stole was that blaster thing that knocks them all flying well, but i thought the blaster thing was also a transporter but then she she did say at one point because yeah because he brings out the big computer screeny sort of holographic thing and that's what she was talking about i yeah. thought right yeah yeah because he lets her talk to her try and talk to the ship but when she says you've had that a whole time she was talking about the transporter you think i got confused i, I didn't catch that yeah i thought, I I thought the transporter was thing he stole from the Andorian. Yeah, we'd have to go back and check that again. It's a, yeah, yeah. That's a second watching uh, detail. I mean, how about you? What uh, what did you take away from this as a as a premiere episode? Yeah, I, I thought it was a good table setter because they're going into a whole new era as far as we we know, right? And granted, still questions about where does that short trick fit in the timeline. Uh, so I look things up and. Um, Living Witness, an episode of Star Trek Voyager, as part of its show, um, end up in the year 3074, so 3074, because apparently 700-some years prior, Voyager was involved with this um, interspecies battle, and the uh, the backup holographic doctor, EMH, at the very tail end of that, apparently had, uh, you know, gotten his um, his opportunity to go try to check out and see if, if he could retrace what was going on in Voyager. So 30 74. Uh, we heard at the very beginning of this episode that is in 3188. And again, as far as we know, this is like the furthest we've seen in the Star Trek timeline. So they're doing quite a jump, I think very similar to the jump between the original series versus the next generation, where it's like, all right, you know, what was that, like a 75-year jump, I think? Uh, yeah, yeah. Just roughly yeah, doing right. the math. So they, they sort of spent that first episode sort of setting the stage for, okay, here's what's different, right? Like they're, they're not fighting the Klingon right like that was a, a big deal that like this old uh cold war era sort of thing has has changed and and we have a klingon on the on the bridge right uh and, and in this case i think it does a pretty good job like all right well apparently andorians and orions work together and uh lurians and others like they all and and other new things that we see they're they're there and and so there's uh presumably going forward we're gonna see some familiar things I, i'm gonna guess we're gonna see klingon i'm gonna guess we're gonna see you know vulcans roaming the sort of things but they won't necessarily be in the same state that we saw them before. So I think it was actually a, a pretty good approach here to focus just uh, pretty much on Michael Burnham from the main cast. As far as I know, I don't think we even see anybody else from the the, the regular cast. No, not a single Everybody's person. new characters, right? Except yep. for Michael. Yep. Yeah. 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 It's interesting too. Uh, I don't know. Did you both get to see the sort of coming this season on Discovery thing that was on after uh, the episode? Yeah, yeah, they, they showed that here. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, like, action figures of Saru and his uh, his non, non-uniform outfit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because this episode, you know, and maybe sometimes they're making these things with the prospect, uh, prospect of watching them on a streaming service um, as a season or something else. But it's just very funny because this episode ends with kind of a melancholy expression for Burnham 
where she sort of says, you know, by the law of temporal mechanics, they could come out today, tomorrow, or or a thousand years from now from the wormhole. And she sort of has this sort of sad resignation of, well, I may never see the Discovery crew again. And the episode ends, you know, within minutes of that. And then they go, coming this season on Discovery, and you immediately see the rest of the crew. They don't explicitly Mm. show them all together. They do show that time has elapsed because in this episode, Burnham's hair is what we're used to, which is uh, she has sort of the top bun on her hair. And in the coming this season, she has very very long uh hair so clearly time is supposed to have have elapsed not necessarily years but time will have elapsed so i I get the impression human hair grows six inches in a year so yeah so i get the impression that she (laughs) is meant to have spent most people's more time there yeah yeah spend more time in the uh future than maybe the rest of the crew so maybe they are arriving later or otherwise but uh, it'll be interesting to see how all that stuff plays out. But it was very funny because there was a very this sort of melancholy, well, who knows? Maybe they'll be out there somewhere. And they're like, by the way, they're right here. We can see them in the trailer for the rest of the season. It's not like they've disappeared or anything. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. I wonder if the next episode will focus entirely on the rest of the crew and not on Michael so that we get that sort of time elapsing. Yeah, back and forth back, and back and forth. Yeah, I wonder if we'll, if it'll just be focused on, the, on what has happened in this sort of, you know, coming out of the wormhole experience from their perspective. Maybe they'll show up at 3394 or whatever. Well, that's it. Maybe Burnham will have lived, you know, six months, a year, five years of a life that they didn't get to experience with her. You know, so when they meet her, she'll be a different person. She'll have different experiences. Some interesting story techniques that could be thrown into there and and changing the characters around and expectations could be really interesting. Yeah. The other thing I wrote down in my notes is the the worm was called Molly, which is kind Kind of an interesting choice uh, if you go down my route of saying i don't know if that was a coincidence because molly is the eldest child of chief miles o'brien and mm. we know from some indeterminate time in the future based on what lower decks has shown us that miles o'brien is one of the most important people in history <laughs> so it might not be unreasonable that you have children and pets and etc named after people from that family yeah mm, maybe yeah maybe I must say, uh, the one thing that did stand out to me at this first episode, I mean, Sadiqa Martin-Green's a fabulous actress, and she crushes it every single episode. But I was impressed with David Ajala's book. Uh, Jaime, you, you're a, a Supergirl watcher, so you must remember he was uh, Manchester Black for a while on Supergirl the right. past couple of years. And he was really good on that, too. Played this sort of, um, you know, working both sides, kind of, you know, gray area kind of operative inside the, the Supergirl Arrowverse world. And I thought he was really good there. And I was excited to see that he was the person who had been cast as this now, uh, obviously, main character for this show, too. I thought he was really, really compelling. He's um, he's a good actor, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, I guess we're going to have to watch the rest of the season. Yeah, it's too bad. Sorry, my dog was bugging me. Go away. <laughs> Thinks I'm gonna let him out. Um, all right, well, let's get to our watch list so we can let the dog out. <laughs> what do you got for us, Jaime? Mine is uh, for Apple Music subscribers. So, um, Disney apparently has its own little hub inside of Apple Music, and I can't for the life of me figure out how to get to this without right. using the little magic link, which is uh, in the show notes here. It's uh, apple.co slash Disney Music. Like, I literally cannot figure out how to navigate in the app, but that's fine. You just bookmark this thing. Um, it it has interesting playlists like uh, complete Marvel Cinematic Universe if you want to hear all the soundtracks for that or uh, Disney Lullaby.
by um, Disney Workout, Disney Plus, and sing-alongs and all sorts of things that you might like. You know, Disney Pixar hit. Uh, it, it's really kind of cool. They've got themed ones like Disney Halloween, given it's, uh, it's the era. And looking right after that is uh, Disney Holiday with uh, Kermit and company. So I thought that was pretty neat. Um, I'm guessing these were all songs you could have reached before, but it's kind of, you know, you're in the mood of like, hey, kids, let's uh, let's do a sing-along. All right, let's just go into the sing-along channel and play that. Or, all right, they, they kind of need to wind down. So, uh, you know, Disney lullaby or instrumentals to get things going. Cool, cool. All right. Uh, I got a couple of things that uh, I've, I'm looking forward to getting into and that's on my to-do list this weekend. So I've been, uh, during the pandemic, I've been sort of gathering up, uh, especially now things have opened up a little bit more here in Canada. I've been going around and picking up some comic books to fill some old runs. And part of that has sort of led me down the rabbit hole of enjoying some characters that I hadn't gotten in with for a while and has led me to some new series. So two new series that have started this year that uh, are, are hot as heck right now and that, that are ones that are now sitting here on my bedside table for ready for reading. There's a new Thor series that's gotten a lot of heat under it. A very popular writer named Donny Cates has taken over and he is... Um, He's sort of Marvel's Wonder Boy right now. He's writing, he's come off, he wrote Venom for a while. It was a really huge hit. He wrote uh, some of the space stories, um, some Silver Surfer, apparently all really, really well done. I have not read very much of it, but uh, his Thor run has been selling like hotcakes to the point where like, as soon as the books come off the stands, they're already worth twice what they were before and they're hard to come by and, you know, really, really hot. So I thought, you know, okay, I'll, I'll pick up whatever the latest you know versions are, the fifth printing or whatever it is and, and sit down and read them so i gave them a flip through and i was like this looks really good i'm gonna you know sort of get into it so the the first thor arc that he's uh done ties in with you know um uh, thanos of course everybody knows thanos from the the avengers movies ties in with um this huge storyline involving involving uh you know it's a, a huge attack on asgard and it looks really really interesting so I, I picked up the first i think seven issues uh this last week and then that's on my my to-do list and the other thing i picked up which is again another series that sort of got a lot of heat under it is this new book called strange academy and strange academy is the basic premise is the elevator pitch for this one is it's what if dr strange founded hogwarts (laughs) so the idea is that dr strange basically opens a school for witchcraft and wizardry or in this case you know master of the mystic arts and he is uh, sort of brings together his, um, you know, some of his contemporaries and this group of magically powered youngsters and starts the school. So this one's actually only been going for a few months. So the issue three just came out uh, maybe two weeks ago. Uh, but again, the first couple of books are now hot as a pistol and, uh, and and starting to get really hard to find. They're already into, I think, a fourth or fifth printing of the first book. Um, and I say number three just came out. And so that one is, is very much on my radar. I, I know some of the creators, um, Scotty Young and is one of the creators of that. He's a, a very popular artist. And uh, yeah, I think that that one sort of tying those, you know, that sort of elevator pitch worked for me. I was like, you know what? I'm going to check out the first few issues. So I've got about 10 books to read over this weekend. And uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive back into some brand new comics for the first time in a while, as opposed to uh, sort of collecting them after the fact. I had not been reading a lot of stuff the month that it was coming out, only a few books that I I read like that and uh so I'm, I'm wading back into the marvel comics comic universe this weekend 
cool, right? Cool, and of course I've got some non-sci-fi, non-comic-y kind of things. I watched Enola. I'm not sure if it's called Enola Holmes or whatever, but uh, interesting story. I guess Enola Holmes is a series of books, obviously geared towards young, younger audiences. But it was a fun sort of you know romp um, through you know the sort of Sherlock Holmes, Mycroft Holmes kind of era of of England, and this Enola character played by Millie Bobby Brown is you know not your typical woman in that time period so that's kind of interesting and then um i'm always been fascinated by um feminism you know i call myself a feminist as it were and uh the there's a movie on um i think it's on netflix or it might be amazon prime called the glorias which stars um for her name now Gloria Steinem? No, well, she's she's in the end of it, but yeah, it's about her, and it's sort of told in it, it, there's uh, four actors who play her in various phases of her life. Actually, three actors who play her various stages of her life, and um, one is the woman from you know the Silence of the Lambs sequel. What's that Edible? woman's name? Julianne huh? Moore was the actress's name for Julianne Moore. Yeah, yeah. so Julianne Moore plays G- Gloria Steinem in the sort of era when we know her. Um, Alicia Vikander plays her as a young woman, um, you know, starting out in, in as a journalist and going to India and things like that. Um, and there's a couple of girls who play her as a young, you know, child, right? Um, two phases of her life, and uh, and they're all sort of riding on this bus, like it's kind of like they they kind of even though their different phases of, their, of her life um they kind of sort of meet up with each other in in throughout throughout her whole sort of arc um and at the very end of it it's, it actually is Gloria Steinem in on the uh in the bus and then she she does some talk does some speeches at the end there but um good story you know, interesting way to tell a bio of of somebody um you know she's obviously a, a permanent person who was famous for her you know her writings um you know being a um a, did an expose on the Playboy Club and all that kind of stuff and um yeah and of course led the era movement and which i don't think ever passed right but um is that the equal rights amendment in the united states no that that has been going on since like the 70s yeah it it hasn't fully been ratified by enough states to be enacted right Correct. Yeah, yeah. It tells a sort of tragic story of her mother, who was actually a journalist as well, but published under a male name, a man's name. And then, you know, she wasn't quite well throughout her whole life. And so she was really pleased to see Gloria Steinman take on and become a full, full-fledged journalist, right? But it's like, you know, the typical scenes of the 60s, like where the one day she's working in the office and the guys come to her and they say, um, the secretary's not here. Can you mind making the coffee? You know. Mm. Meanwhile, she's working on a, on a lead story and she, you know, gets up from her desk and goes and makes the coffee coffee you know because that's what you had to do back then yeah Yeah, sort of interesting sort of you know dichotomy between how you know we you know we don't know what the world was like back then and and this is a really interesting portrayal of it at the time right so yeah it's a good good uh good um good movie glad i watched i think it was at the film festival as well right toronto film festival Mm -hmm. but uh yeah so that's my my pick so i guess uh i guess that's it for another week gay jaime so people want to look for you on the interwebs where they find you i'm on twitter as at dev of the hair and Jonathan, people want to get in touch with you. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at JPK News. Right. And I am Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on Twitter and Instagram and all those other things too. And so until next week or next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. Maybe. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. 
If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash SpotCast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, SpotCast.com slash SponsorUs. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. Show for flying burnums. Flying burnums. Oh, <laughs> be careful out right. there. Burnums can crash into you at any given moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always check your arm before you wrap it with somebody else's handkerchief. <laughs> Always check the handkerchief <laughs> before you wrap it around your arm. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. You read my mind. Gross. Yes, very gross. All right. Wait, you have to wake up at what time? Three? I thought it was 5 a.m. for us. Wow. Hang on. Start recording. Because of pre-order? Maybe, because then it'll get my three, possibly six percent. And then yeah. um, I don't know. Where's the time? Where's the time? And then time. I don't know how it works with like, oh, will that work with my, my carrier? Or is it like an unlocked one? And then I have to like go through the effort of uh, yeah. switching over. Can't find out when it is. Like, hang on. Like uh, no, there was, there was a pre-order. I saw an email or something about that uh you know pre-order you know, oh yeah no i think when you when you go to the apple website it tells you you can pre-order or on the, maybe in the app in the phone app pre-order 12 and 12 pro according to this one website says 8 a.m eastern 5 a.m pacific no i think i was, I was looking in the app today because i had to buy an ipad um Let's see. Yeah, I was trying to do the door. trade in or something. It's like, oh, come back and do this. I'm like, really, dude? Why do you tell me that? That should have been like the first thing you asked me. Well, yeah. Oh, this is the wrong store. Apple Store. This one. There we go. They'll probably say, we'll be back later. Let's see. Apple Store. And my device. It's got all my device details in here. That's cool. Uh, I went to shop. iPhone Pro. View pricing. Um, Pre-order from 5 a.m. to on 16:10. So I, this is my my time zone. So it's got to be that. So just, I went to the um, the Apple Apple Store app. Right. So what is your say? Wait, it says 5 a.m. Are you sure it doesn't? So it's just it doesn't say it doesn't say time zone or whatever. But it definitely I'm in Canada and it knows I'm in Canada. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, in if Toronto, it's coded very nicely, Toronto, it knows yeah. you're in Canada. If it's like, hey, we just got lazy and, <laughs> and put this this label in here. Yeah, yeah. They wouldn't do that. Come on. I mean, that's that's underhanded. Not underhanded. Under- it's just lazy. Well, okay, so here's the thing. Like, when it, was, when it used to be midnight for you guys, I had to get up at 3 a.m. So I would go to sleep, and I would wake up at 3 a.m., and then I would be lying in my bed. It's the only time of the year... I'm lying on my back ordering phones, right? Half asleep. Yeah, I don't know. Five at five a.m. So I think five a.m. would be two a.m. for you, right? Yeah, I, I do not believe it is five a.m. your time. You do not. That, believe that it goes is against 5 what I saw, and, and I'm trying to go through the the flow right now to figure out. Uh, yeah. and, and it's searching well, the so open, do, do me a favor. Just open open your App Store app on your phone or whatever. Apple Store app, not the App Store. Apple Store app on your phone. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'll go. I'll go to the Apple website while we're talking about. Hey, hey, John. I, I'll just sit here and pick my nose. It's fine. Yeah. You just pick your nose. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, while we geek out here. <laughs> That's why I have two sons, so I can wipe boogers on them. Mm, um...
Oh, white boogers on them? Yeah. Well, speaking of boogers, yeah, there was some boogers in the show today. <laughs> um, that's what I was thinking. I wonder if she was thinking that, too, when she wrapped her arm up, right? <laughs> she gave him that. Are there boogers oh, yeah. on this look? Yeah. <laughs> and that's the first thing Dave and I said to each other. Ew. Yeah, apple.ca. Here we go. Apple.ca. Okay, so if I go to shop, go to iPhone, I'm clicking on iPhone, clicking on the new Pro, because you can't order the other ones today, right? You can only order this one. View pricing. And what does it say? Come on. Come on, baby. Pre-order yours from 5 a.m. on 1610. Yeah, if mine says 5 a.m. PDT on 1016. Mine says 5 a.m. No EDT, nothing. I don't think they're going to open it by zone, so I think yours is at the you know, much more you know, comfortable time at 8 a.m. They just might piss us all off. They might, just piss, they might do that to piss us all off because they, they've been doing this for like, you know, and they're not new at this, I mean. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Oh, you can't order the Max until tomorrow? No, November. What? No. Oh, six. I thought it was the mini that was at a different November time. November sixth. You can you can't order the um pre, the pro, the Pro Max till right. Yeah. So so to catch up, Jonathan. So what I'm trying to figure out is uh, the last time I ordered an iPhone, they were still doing it at midnight on uh, Pacific time, which okay. which is an uncomfortable 3 a.m. for you East Coasters. That's true. Yes. So it's like, oh, I think I just need to stay up late today. And then I looked and said, wait a minute, no, I need to wake up stupid early tomorrow so I can. Oh, be you can up order the mini. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, November. So November. Oh, you can't. You have to wait till till November to order the mini as well. Yeah. So I. I don't know, you can check it out at five a.m. Tim, if you'd like. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to guide you one way or the other. I'm not going to be responsible if <laughs> well, you let, are, let's if you ask somebody this on the iPhone because it turns out that they do it so, by by region. Have you heard the expression "dilly gas" before? No, I've heard of dilly dally. I've heard <laughs> never heard dilly well, gas. Okay, well, dilly gas. So, so I mean, no, it's this dilly whole gaff with an F. F. Dilly gas. Yeah, dilly dilly gaff. Yeah. This whole. Ga- I'm trying to keep it cleaner, John. But to 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 because he John knows this because he's yeah. been around me a long time. He's going to say for 30 years I've heard this one. <laughs> anyway, this is what I call a dilly gas because I am not going to order a phone, and it's the dilly gas stands, so it doesn't look like I give a. I see. Yes, or, I or, or the dilly gaff has got the, the other F part. I'm familiar with the, the acronym. I have never heard it spoken as a word. So yes, okay. Have oh, you seen dilly gaff before? Yes, yes, I have. Really? I, oh, I have. okay. I've never. I've only seen it written online. I've, I've never. I've been heard saying it that for, since I was like you know, in high school. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I, I guess you're, you're, if you're not going to order a phone, then Tim, whether for yourself or for the office or something, like yeah. I guess it doesn't yeah, no. matter for you. Uh, I'm not going to get it. The only last year, what we did, we actually because of this whole timing thing, we went to we actually went to the Apple Store and bought them on day one. So another manager and I went up, and we both had corporate credit cards. And we when we bought, I bought two phones, he bought two phones, right? So yeah, because because we couldn't get into the queue, we couldn't like we couldn't guarantee that if we ordered it online, because you you know what's going to happen, you're going to get online, and like everybody else in the world is going to get online, and you're going to be like you know tapping your your phone to update, update, update. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's because it's, it's, all the tricks that we've talked about on on the show before i'm going to use and refresh 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 yeah i mean the thing about this is like i'm surprised the the store's not offline right now like like we're getting it ready kind of thing so the the store app says that you can get your stuff ready before 9 p.m pacific so it sounds like in the next hour and a half it probably will go down um, as they do their thing i would guess um, but just to put a button on this, um, so we can go into the main show. You know, if I'm going to wake up at five in the morning Pacific to order this thing, I want the first one off well, no, the line. Like, I want it like p- still warm in my hand, <laughs> like the the fresh fries that you get at McDonald's if you show up at the right when they start well, no, making them. So, so, but if if I can order at five a.m., then you ha- you can't you can't go to bed till two. 
that would actually be reasonable for me. I could do that. It's well, you might, you might want to think about spot. doing that because you're not getting a phone otherwise. No, I, I, Tim, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I don't know what your UI is showing, and I don't know if it's some weird I'm, localization yeah, for Canadian English you. problem where <laughs> <laughs> somebody you know did replace all added extra U's where they didn't need to be. I'm going to do you a solid. I'm going to share my screen. <laughs> Hang on a second here. Share desktop. Share this one. Okay, There's like so many here. slams on our country in one sentence. Though, I know. This, this guy's like dissing us right. you know, here. So can you can you see my screen yet? I, I do see it. Yes. Okay. You see up here where it says wow, it says apple.com/ca. Right. You so guys that would indicate that zones, we're looking though, right? at the Canadian website. You could look at the Canadian website too. You're totally welcome to do this too. I guess right? I could try that too. But it's interesting. Yours just says 5 a.m. Let me take a look at mine. 5 a.m. I got a zoom goes full screen. One sec. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop sharing. You can share your screen if you like. Hold up. Uh, iPhone pre-order pre-order. Are we having fun yet, John? I am all over this shit. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> By the way, you know it's funny because because uh, our friend of the show, our, our our number one more than just code fan, um, Greg was telling me he was driving last week because he was on vacation, and he was like, "Where was the podcast?" Hi, man. <laughs> oh, you're so somebody's here. finally noticed it. Okay, can you see my screen that says "blast"? Yeah, what kind blast, of blast. what kind of monitor is this? Holy cow! Oh, I'm just sharing the um the app. Yeah. Uh, so okay. So here's, I'm going to I'm going to say because I don't see I don't see after the com I don't see anything other than like it doesn't have to say U.S. because we all know the U.S. is special, right? I mean, okay. Okay. So you see it says com, right? Twelve Pro. Five a.m. PDD. So so this why does yours not have a time zone? That's wild. I know. Well, you know, we should go on the friends and show friends of the show and see what time their their show, right? Because be like, hey. Australians and UK folks, <laughs> does yours have a time zone, or is well, it only? So wait, are they already ordering phones? That's the thing, right? Like, Look at this maybe... dude. They even have PST versus PDT because we're going to change um, daylight saving oh, time. Right? Later. Yeah, yeah. So, well, and you should I... be checking it. I'm sure if they're going up right now, they'll be on Google, right? Like you'll see, you're on Twitter rather. You'll see them on Twitter. People, yeah, people yeah, will yeah. be griping if they're having problems with well, this now. Here, I'm going to. I'm just going to go over to the to the, to the uh, friends of the show channel here and post something real quick. Yeah, I think this is this is weird and and mysterious to me um i don't get it i just say channel channel at channel yes i'm gonna assume that it is 5 a.m pacific i can't speak for time what's going on in in the land of canada for all i know maybe you guys only have one time zone so (laughs) yeah (laughs) i don't know we have have more time strategy growth there we have more time zones than America does. What are Man. you talking about? That's true. You have uh, the Atlantic one that I thought was fake. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's in the ocean. Well, and we actually we have we have Newfoundland time, which is even worse than that. It's another half an hour further along. Yeah, and and I just want to point out, I watched Discovery for free today. I don't have to pay anybody to watch it because because <laughs> I have it comes with our healthcare. That's right. <laughs> Socialized time. Um, that's true. It's true. Order. Well, he's looking at it. I actually don't know if Alaska and Hawaii have different time zones. I assume they Hawaii. He does for sure. IPhone 12. I don't know right. if Alaska's just Pacific time or if it's broken into different regions off the top of my head. Yeah. Mm. They've, they've already are, they probably already, already ordered them all in Australia because it's already tomorrow there, right? Like I it's just already... assumed, you see, this is why they should just say like on this day and time UTC and you figure out what day and time that is for you mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of. Uh, trying to figure it out for us, and then and then confusing us, mm-hmm. confusing us. Yeah, then. this is this is just totally weird. Why why would they do that? I I think it's just a, a mistake because everything else is pointing closer to what I I think it to be. So let your conscious what, be what your guide. What do leakers say? Five a.m. PDT. Note the time zone. Yeah, because because five a.m. PDT is eight a.m. my time, right? 
Yeah, that, that sounds that, more that's reasonable a nice, to me. Decent time. Then I'm like, well, that, well, so we I mean, do like, it 8 a.m. Pacific, which is still nice in the morning for you East Coasters. Yeah, my my so from my perspective, like let, letting us have our, our our beauty rest and get up at like 8 a.m. in the morning to order, right, John? To, you know, have our coffee. You know, get make up an English muffin. You know, you know, have a nice. You know, take the dog for a walk and then go to the Apple Store and order a phone at 8 a.m. That sounds totally civilized to me. It, it sounds unusually civilized yeah yeah oh here we go what does that say it says pst pst yeah pdt okay yeah he corrected himself. yeah it will, will be in pst sometime in november that makes sense for the the other models yeah. but yeah yeah no I, I get it tim i was in uh le chateau montebello somewhere halfway ish between ottawa and montreal in, yeah. in your grand uh, Montreal, Montreal. Montreal. <laughs> did, what did he say like today liaison he said liaison in the french pronunciation today on the show liaison glorious it's kind of it's kind of challenging. Of course, we may have already discussed this because this is in the after show we're talking now. This is so we're like Michael Burnham. We're talking in the after show now, but you know, <laughs> which is actually before the show. So you know, remember when we talked about liaison and the way he pronounced it? Yes, way back when in this episode, <laughs> like earlier. half an hour ago at least. Yeah. Yeah. Remember in the future past? Yeah. Need a Rendez Vows with my liaison. Do we do we have like temporal laws in our podcast world? Like are we Oh people are posting screenshots now. This is great. Let's what does this one say? Oh, these guys are on the West Coast. I don't you know, the left coast. You know, I'm, I'm, i wanna know from the Australians, right? I want the mm. yeah, I think we have somebody from Berlin too. Oh, let's see, he's two way in. They're all sleeping though, I guess, right? The UK people. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be at three in the morning for them. Yeah, well, sorry. Sorry, I just pinged the channel and their, their phones all went. Bzzz, hey, that's, that is, you know, <laughs> managing Slack notifications. That is a individual responsibility. It's a skill. Harsh. <laughs> it is an asynchronous medium and you can decide whether yeah. you want to. to Ed be says they have them already. Wait, what? Wait, question mark. What? Question mark. I'm doing this for the podcast for people driving at home, transporting at home. Oh, he's just, I mean, winky emoji. Okay, he, yeah, I missed the winky emoji. All right, let's, let's do this podcasting. <laughs> Yeah, I just got to tell Ed, Ed a thing here. Uh, we're actually uh, discussing this. Mm. Yeah, somebody just posted a picture here. PDT, PD, PT, Mac rumors. Oh, you can pre-order the iPhone 12 and iPhone Pro in every time zone. It says here on um, Mac rumors. Pre-orders for the 12 or whatever kicked off Friday 16th at 5 a.m. Pacific time. Ooh, but the Toronto is 8 a.m. Yeah, so leisurely coffee and uh, whatever. Just as you return from Timmy you'll be like hey maybe i'll yeah. get a phone now too <laughs> since so, i'm already yeah, up in, and started my day like a normal human in being in sydney it'll be 11 p.m they have to wait till order oh boohoo you, you 11, gotta 11 p.m tomorrow late. they're already tomorrow i'm gonna have to put my notifications on now that they're all pinging me all right uh we did the mark thing right yep. we did yeah okay all right so we'll just dig into this show here uh episodes uh season three episode 11 right uh yeah, if we're gonna yeah. pick in this season is continuing, yep. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll do the continuum thing. Unless it, unless it's the season four. I, well, <laughs> I don't so think that'll so. get weird and complicated. And, no, and, and the only thing that will break this, what I'm about to say is, I think given that we do normally have a hiatus. Now, granted, we're going longer yeah. before the hiatus hits, just because they put two shows back to back. True. Uh, yeah. I think we're okay with this still being season three. Now, if they're like, oh, by the way, this other show is available right at the tail end of this, and then we'll have yeah. a season three that like never ends with 
72 episodes or something. Right. Well, so so here here's a little here's a little treat for the people who stick around for the after show because I was looking at the Apple stats to sort of see that Apple actually publishes a, a, a chart which shows you how people listen to the show and where they drop off. Right. So like you'll see like it's it's sort of like the cliffs of Dover all of a sudden you know when the outro and you can actually put you can actually put the the slider on and see listen to the show as the the numbers are growing or falling and right around the time that we start the outro it, it's it's like the cliffs of dover just dives right and then it comes back up so it must mean that some people must skip through the through you know mike sorry mike they they skip through his his outro right his his verbiage right and they skip the music theme music and then they come back for the after show but a lot of people don't stick around for the after show so for those people this is episode 72 of the more of podcast i want to say more than just code all right anyway. uh, so i just tucked the title of the episode in there yes, for you for thank you very much that was very nice of you to yeah, do I'm that trying oh, to part help. one what That's, i didn't see it continued how they're how they're branding this <laughs> we pre-recorded the uh the after show yeah we well, essentially did yeah yeah <laughs> and and now that i think about it we we did miss a headline that actually i think i saw this morning or something and just forgot to put in the notes that um star trek prodigy the kids oriented animated series on mm-hmm. nickelodeon is going to have kate mulgrew oh i said that last Jane week Waker. that was we did that yeah, last, did week. last week okay yeah. good yeah. so he's yeah. obviously doesn't listen to i know show, no, no like i i <laughs> <laughs> i obviously missed that one why did it show up again in reddit was there some other news did they specify where in janeway's life this takes place yeah, they haven't said. Yeah. Okay. Well, apologies. I, I was like, oh, cool. So she's reprising her role and and going on. But yeah, because we right, I think we, we talked talk about, about it. We thing. sort of said, at what point do we? Um, at what point do we? Did we last see her? Right, and then we realized it was mm-hmm. at the beginning of Nemesis, right, where she's Admiral Janeway. Yeah. Yes, that's true. That's true. I actually watched a little bit of. Uh, um, CTV Sci-Fi was showing Insurrection the other night, and I had not seen it. And I know we were kind of taking the taking the piss out of it the uh, couple episodes ago, but I hadn't seen it in many years. And I sat and I watched. I it probably came in about half an hour in and watched for about half an hour, and it wasn't terrible. Hmm. I don't remember enjoying it a lot at the time. I mean, Tim, your your assessment has always been. The right assessment, which is, it's a great episode of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Not so much a movie, but it's a great episode of Star Trek. Um, okay. And yeah, I, I sort of sat down and I watched it. And I was like, well, it certainly feels more cinematic. It's obviously better production value. It's better lit. Uh, the, you know, obviously, um, there's, yeah. there's certainly big pluses to it. But um, yeah, it's it's not as awful. Maybe I should watch it from beginning to end and I'll I revise my view to think it's awful again. But it didn't, uh, didn't, didn't suck. Yeah, I was thinking of going in and watching the the Star Trek movies again now that I own them all. Well, for the low price of twenty bucks, I mean, how could you say no? Well, I did. I got yeah. No, we we decided it was uh, six movies or ten movies at a price of six. That's right. right. That's right. <laughs> you paid three dollars and thirty three cents for six movies and got the other ones for free. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you can watch them in the machete order if you want as well. <laughs> yep. Yep. Just watch every odd one. No, even one? Odd one. No, you, you want to watch the evens, right? Not the odds. The evens, yes. yes you want right. to watch the evens. Although that means you have to watch Nemesis and agree that it's a good movie, which I'm not sure I would get on board with. Nemesis? Really? It's not that good. It's, I don't know. Again, maybe I need to rewatch it. It's probably been a good decade since I've sat down and rewatched the whole thing. But um, I remember it being pretty, pretty contrived. Mm-hmm. And again, mm-hmm. it was not a subtle remake of Wrath of Khan. Right. Which was? 
was uh, the uh, the uh, what you call it nemesis, right? Yeah, ne- nemesis. Because again, it's that whole like, oh, you're my, you're what I would be if I'd gone on a different path, and then oh, I'm gonna blow up the ship, and the ship's gonna kill everybody, and I'll have my last revenge, and then no, oh, but they, you know, one of them sacrifices themselves. And I think it's exactly the same thing. Like it was not right. not oh, subtle. It was right, not yeah. subtle, and and, and yeah. I, and it was just weird. I think honestly, I feel my my disappointment with that film is that they finish that movie and it just leaves things kind of open ended. I guess you're supposed to say, well, you know, Troy and Riker go off to do their own thing, and Worf goes off to do his own thing, and sort of it's the dissolution of that crew and whatever. Uh, I have read many stories over the years that point to the fact that they were going to make one more that sort of was the the denouement, the end of that for the next generation crew, but because right. Nemesis underperformed at the box office and because there was um the studio perceived that there was star trek fatigue at that point there was too much and they wanted to sort of pull back that they decided to go a different direction and that's how they sort of started with the whole jj abrams thing later on but i do feel like that's not the best ending that you could have had for that um like that as the final film franchise one for tng was a little bit of a disappointing ending right right well do you think they they hope to do like voyager and deep space nine as movies at some point i don't know i i've always hoped that at some point they would do something similar to what picard became this season which is let's just play like put all the toys in the toy box and play like you there's no reason if they all live in this sort of overlapped universe you don't need to bring back just tng or just deep space nine or just voyager and do a movie or what else like why not throw them all in the sandbox make it a time travel story and bring in you know archer's enterprise and kirk's enterprise and like now especially now that that um they're all under the same umbrella again now that Viacom CBS merger is done again. I think it would be great to just put all the toys in the toy box and, and play. You know, why couldn't you have a big mm-hmm. adventure that has, you know, yeah, bring back Miles O'Brien and bring back, you know, all these different characters. They don't have to all, like, you know, get whoever's the most beloved characters from each of these franchises. Of course, they've waited so long now that, of course, we've lost some characters along the way. We've lost, you know, René Arbochonois died, so no Odo. Um, you know, there there are some losses in there that would be a little glaring at this point but i think that would have been great to to really just sort of mix it all up it's weird that like nemesis ended up i think in a in a bad spot when it comes to um budget versus box office because it does look like they spent a fair amount of money on nemesis Mm -hmm. which is unfortunately very contrary to what they did with star trek generations where they absolutely cheaped out on hey let's just reuse the same bird of prey blowing up and not even like well you know (laughs) mirror image and put a filter on it so it's not so obvious right they just had the same thing happen and it's and it's weird because i'm like well you had what was like the most popular series right that that you're starting with fresh and new here so why did you cheap out on its premiere yeah uh and 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 they 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 did a little bit more for um star trek first contact right like that first battle with the borg is actually like a ton of budget i'm sure um insurrection sort of dips a bit it's it's you know about the same and then they spent more it's like well why did you spend so much more then like i think people got fatigued because it was like all right so so relatively low budget generations uh 
pretty good first contact uh seemingly not as much budget or maybe it was misapplied or something like it didn't come out in what they were doing um insurrection and then you're, you're pinning all this hope on nemesis where I, I kind of feel like well if you had just believed in your product and wowed people with Star Trek generations then you you probably would be in a better spot mm, right yeah. and and now when it comes to well will they do voyager deep space nine like uh, maybe on cbs all access because um you know generation uh, uh, sorry the next generation was so much uh more massively popular than deep space nine or voyager ever were mm-hmm. so it would be hard to to many years after the fact like they're not talking about doing a tng movie right like out in the theater so like uh, it would be hard to do so i think i think series or limited series or uh you know uh, one-off tv uh, tv but like streaming tv movie is probably the best path forward yeah um, well there was a I good story this week i'm trying to remember from where i saw it and maybe it was deadline but uh, i'll have to try and dig it out but they were talking to oh you know what it was it was io9 they it was they do their little morning uh news gathering thing so it was just a little bullet but they were talking about i think it was alex kurtzman who is the sort of overall guru of star trek right now and he said he had a meeting with the studio uh cbs to talk about plans for star trek and he mapped out he said that none of this is set in stone none of this is guaranteed but he mapped out from now till 2027 so he said you know yeah we talked about well we think this is going to be this series and then when this one finishes we're going to move on to this one and you know he basically mapped out the next seven years of of trek on cbs all access slash ctv sci-fi or whatever it is in canada or amazon or wherever it's airing netflix around the world um so i mean talk about star trek fatigue but i mean right now we're looking at you know we've got picard we've got discovery we've got lower decks the prodigy coming and uh brave what's not very brave new world what's the new one called strange new world uh, strange new worlds i knew it was somewhere in there um so yeah we've already got those plus we already had uh word that they're gonna do the michelle yo um section 31 series at some point although that was an interesting one because she's in the future with them so is she yeah She's on board the Discovery. Oh, right. Okay. So I don't know if it's going to cover... Which captain is she? Well, yeah. (laughs) She's... uh, I don't know if it's going to cover an era where she is, like, it's sort of a prequel to before she ends up, like, when she was sort of in that stretch, or if... I don't know. Who knows? Who knows what it's going to be? But it'll be interesting to see how that is played out. But yeah, we're like, so we're talking about, you know, if, and that's just what we know about, of course. There's probably a lot of other things in in um, pre-production and planning and everything else. Interesting. But we're also in a world where, you know, we and I think, Jaime, you talked about it in a, or uh, Tim, you mentioned it last week, right? That there was a, you know, the part of the cast wants to do a Star Trek four. Are they going to mm-hmm. do that? Are they going to want to do more movie theater movies? Or is Trek now just a TV show? Yeah, you know. Sorry, my dog's gonna explode. All right, <laughs> we'll we'll leave it there then. All right. Well, next yeah. week then, I wanna I wanna pick your brains because uh, I I watched the season finale of The Boys, and I don't know if you guys are up to date on The, oh, boys. the boys. I saw The yeah, Boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm yeah, all yeah. up to date with that. So yeah, we can definitely talk about that. We we gotta we, we gotta to put our list. brains together on that because I'm curious to so, hear what you guys think of that one. So have you seen it, Jaime, or no? Yes, I, I saw the the season okay. finale. Because the one thing I was thinking is it should have been called something other than The Boys at one point. The girl. Boys don't the get girls. it done. Is that is that Oregon yeah, with the girls yeah. get it done? I was thinking as as they're as they're kicking the crap out of that one girl, yeah. thinking to myself, you know, they named the show wrong. Anyway, gots to go. Okay. All right. Talk to you soon, guys. Later. Bye. Talk to you later. Bye. 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 
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.